0: we well we've all if you've been in church at all you uh, and this church included any church is this way but uh, you have seasons of unity and then seasons when it's not so much and the not so much is not what we want to be in and the unity the time that folks are together and uh, working towards a common goal is such a blessing in fact psalm 133 how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity and it is it is a wonderful thing it's one of the uh, one of the things I'm sort of basking in, in our church right now is just the great spirit that we have. In fact, I had a, we had a visiting preacher, just this might bless your heart a little bit like it did mine, but we had a visiting preacher a couple of weeks ago, a missionary that came, and uh, he says, you don't go into many churches that have a, as good a spirit as your church does. And, well, it was a great thing to hear. It's that's a, that's a blessing, and I agree. It's a, a good thing to have. Uh, God made us each differently with our talents, with our personalities. But then he commands us to labor together in the harvest. Too often, the harvest gets lost because the laborers are fighting. Right? That's not a good thing, is it? We don't want to hurt the harvest because we are busy arguing over how to take the harvest in. <laughs> and what a that's a losing game right there. So now, when we talk about God's work being done, the local church is God's vehicle to accomplish His purpose and His work on earth today. I constantly pound that home because I believe that with all my heart. The local church is, the, uh, is, is where we ought to be uh, working for the Lord, doing our serving of the Lord. It should be done through the aspect of the local church. I get a call uh, routinely through the week, uh, and it's all kinds of different things. I had a guy call me last week, and he, the fight started right after I said hello, and he started in. Uh, asked me why we serve multiple gods and all this kind of stuff. He had been on our website, and he saw that we believed in the Trinity and we don't serve one God. And I didn't even say anything. I just said hello, and he was going 100 miles a minute. And uh, my first question, what local church are you a part of? I don't go to church. There you go. That's the problem. Uh, one of the problems all right it was one of many problems yet but i'm just telling you if people separate themselves from the local church there's going to be issues and to get to, to be in the right place doing the right thing using your talent serving the lord being faithful you have to be a part of a local church and so that's why why one of the reasons why that's one of usually the first question i ask when i get um i don't want to use the word crazies but uh when i get those types of people on the phone amen Let's look at Philippians chapter four, chapter uh, four, verse one. Therefore, my brother, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eodius, and I beseech Syntyche, that they may be in the same mind in the Lord, and I entreat thee also, true Yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and with other my fellow labors whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. I want to talk tonight for just a few minutes on working with our co-laborers. Father, thank you for this time we have. I pray you'd help us as we look at these things to beware of in your word, and uh, just uh, teach us and guide us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Five things, five attitudes we need to be beware of. Uh, It begins here, this passage, Paul begins with letting them, or this chapter here, letting them know that they are loved. Now the word love in the English language is much used and even more misunderstood in our society today. Uh, We say we love things like uh, sports teams, our possessions, music, work, uh, homes, our our moms, apple pie, the American flag, all those things we love. Amen. And uh, yet we uh, there's a big misunderstanding what love really means. Uh, people in the world today don't have any idea many what the word love means. We understand in the Bible that there's different original words for love. There's three main ones in the Bible. There's eros, it's where we get our word erotic from. You can imagine what kind of love that inspires. It's mostly lust or physical type. And then there's the word uh, phileo, which is uh, where we get our word Philadelphia. Uh, brotherly love is what that's talking about. And then there's this word that's used here, dearly beloved, the word agape, and that's that selfless love that God loves us with. Uh, That is, it's this kind of, that agape love that the Lord loves us with is one of the most amazing facts about God, that he loves people who will never love him back. That's a special kind of love. Most of us love phileo, that's people who are nice to us, we love them back. Amen. People who love us, we love them. That's why it's so easy to love mom because how much mom loves us. Amen. So uh, we we have that natural type of love and attraction, but God loves a special way. Jeremiah thirty-one three, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Uh, One of the unfortunate uh, avenues of pastoring is when you do. Marriage counseling, and uh, you see marriages fall apart. I hate to be in the front row when that happens, uh, being a part of that. Uh, I've I've unfortunately, I wish this weren't the case, but I've unfortunately seen marriages deteriorate of people who I've married. And, you know, you were there to help them get started, and everything is uh, unicorns and rainbows, and then the trouble sets in, and they can't uh, work these things out. And so uh, that's not an everlasting love. Uh, they get married because we're so love each other, and then you, some years down the line, you got them in your office screaming at each other, wanting to kill each other. You know, no longer is that everlasting love. That's not God's love for us. God's love for us is everlasting, and He loves us whether we love Him back or not. Christ paid the penalty for our sins, for people who will never ask forgiveness and be saved. Uh, he, he still died for them. Doesn't I mean they'll be saved or go to heaven, but I mean, he died for them, whether they ask him to forgive them or not. Uh, what, a, what a blessing that is. The Bible says plainly in 2 Corinthians 5.15 and that he died for all. Take that, Calvinists. And that he died for all, okay? Uh, all means all. You know what all means in the Greek? It means all, okay? It's very simple, very easy for us to understand. Paul wanted to assure the Philippians. That the unique place they held in his heart was one of being dearly beloved. He loved them. He didn't just like them. He loved them. He didn't just love them. He dearly loved them, as he says in this verse here. Now, we're going to begin with the first. We want to beware tonight of an undermining spirit. Beware of an undermining spirit. Therefore, my dear brethren, excuse me, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. There is something in our human nature that tends to be critical of other people. You ever notice that, how easy it is? Uh, Beecher said this, keep a fair-sized cemetery in your backyard in which to bury the faults of your friends. That's a good thing, isn't it? Just uh, learn to bury the faults of your friends and not uh, dwell on them. It's easy to criticize. The hardest thing is for us to forgive the easiest thing is for us to criticize and to uh, be have a critical spirit. Now, it's easy to understand why lost people argue and criticize and, and uh, they have nothing in common. They don't have any... Uh, remember unity... By the way, let's step back just a second. I know I've beat this probably to death, but uh, unity, just to remind us again, unity is not us sitting across the table from each other and hashing out everything so uh, we make sure we agree on everything Uh Larry and I just uh, were able to share a meal together a while back, so uh, we use him as an example. As we sit across the table and we, all right, what do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? What do you believe about that's not what we did. I'm just saying. Let's say we we did this until we agreed on everything, and then now we're unified. That's not what unity the Bible's talking about. The Bible's talking about uh, as as the same thing as we take these pianos. If you tune this piano to a standard, and then he goes over and tunes the other piano, to the same standard. They don't tune to each other, but because they're tuned to the same standard, they're not in perfect tune with one another. That's Bible unity. As he is in tune with Christ and I'm in tune with Christ, now we are in tune with each other. Bible unity is two spiritual people who can forgive, get along, work together, uh, because they're both in tune with Christ. When you have two spiritual people and there's a problem, they work out that problem and they move forward. That's what spiritual people do. When you have two carnal people, or one of them is a carnal person, then that problem often gets blown out of proportion because a spiritual person always makes a big problem smaller. A carnal person always makes a small problem bigger. That's how it works. And it works that way in Christians. It works that way in families. It works that way in churches. And so um, it's, uh, we, we understand, back to what I was talking about here, uh, the lost world doesn't have this kind of unity in tune with Christ. Christians ought to be different. Too often they're not, okay, but they should be different. Uh, we, because those of us who are saved have a commonality in the Lord. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. So treat our brothers like we ought to, like we love them, like we should, like he said here, dearly beloved, my joy and my crown, and that unity ought to exist among God's people. Now, love for other Christians is an indication that a person is born again. The Bible says that in 1 John 3:14, We know that we have passed from death to life. That's salvation, okay? Death to life because we love the brother. That's, uh, that's the indication right there. Somebody who claims to be a Christian but hates Christians <laughs> or doesn't like to go to church, too many hypocrites there, doesn't want to be around God's people, but he claims to be a child of God, something wrong there. Right? We know you've you passed from death to life because you love the brethren. There should be a natural attraction to other Christians. All right, we must be careful not to just say the right things, but live out that love toward others. In First John three eighteen, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Uh, this kind of love we ought to demonstrate to one another. Uh, beware of an undermining spirit. We don't want to have that type of spirit in the body of Christ. John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love for one another. Now, I am all for standards. Okay, I think men ought to have short haircuts. All right, I think uh, ladies ought to dress modestly. Uh, but that's not how we are primarily known as Christians. We're primarily known as Christians because we have love for one another. That's how the world ought to see us uh, as, as, uh, from the outside. So Jesus said, love is the greatest testimony for Christ that we can have in this world. Love for one another. That testimony ought to have. So we need to be careful of an undermining spirit. Love one another. Support one another. Pray for one another. The church ought to be a place where we lift one another up, not kick one another when they are down. I have seen that, you have too, and it's a tragedy. Somebody in church messes up, some, they get involved in some sin or something, and they get kicked from every side by other Christians. We ought to encourage and lift up, not, not excuse sin, but forgive, amen, and help them move forward. Uh, to set up a grumbling business, we don't need brains, we don't need talent, we don't need any of those things. It's the easiest thing in the world. Anybody can be successful in the grumbling business. We ought to be above it, though. Our homes, our churches can be a symphony as long as God is the conductor. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, that's his enemies. There's something wrong if Christians can't even make their friends be at peace with them. Amen? So we ought to, uh, our our ways ought to please the Lord, and that'll help uh, folks around us to be at peace. A uh, river. I think of two things, a river and an avalanche. A, uh, an avalanche. Have you ever seen a snowflake? There's a guy that takes pictures of snowflakes. Have you ever seen that? those online? It's really cool. He has this high-powered uh, camera that's uh, not high-powered in distance, but high-powered in, in, uh, in microscope type. Uh, and so he takes these close-up pictures of individual snowflakes. It's really beautiful. God's handiwork is beautiful. Those are the most fragile things in the world until you get a whole bunch of them together. And they start clinging together and they can cause great destruction. Same way with a river, a mighty river is just a, a lot of little drops of water who've learned to cling together, and they can make a mighty force. You get God's people who stick together and they're all going the same direction. And they're even though we might be fragile within ourselves, we can be a mighty force for the Lord, unified force going forward. Beware of an undermining spirit. Number two, beware of an upset spirit. Look at verse number two. I beseech Yodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, just imagine if you could step back in time, how awesome would it be to personally know the Apostle Paul? I mean, to like sit down and uh, have a meal with him or just be able to talk to him to have him come to your church and preach. Wouldn't that be neat? We got uh, revival scheduled in September and we have the Apostle Paul come and preach for us. And wouldn't that be pretty neat? I'd love to put that on our flyers and distribute them around town. The Apostle Paul will be coming uh, to get personal counsel from him. That'd be that'd be an awesome thing. How excited the believers here and any of the church, churches that receive letters from how exciting the day had to be when they got that letter. And of course, there's no... Facebook, there's no uh, social media, there's no mail like we have today, email, those type of things. So these letters had to be hand delivered, and the letter came, the church gathered, I'm guessing that uh, they all gathered together around as the pastor or one of the deacons read the letter. Can you imagine Iodius and Syntyche sitting in this group of believers enjoying the letter with them until they come, now of course the chapters aren't Paul didn't put it in chapters that happened later. Okay, chapters aren't inspired, but they get to this section of the letter when Paul says, basically, "Please, Eodius and Syntyche, why don't you get along?" <laughs> That's what he's essentially saying. How did they feel when they got to that? When he got to that part of the letter, I wonder if they kind of paused and everybody just looked at him. Okay, uh, this isn't in the context of something positive, by the way. It's in context of something negative, and uh, it's a rebuke against an upset spirit they must have been embarrassed that day but they wouldn't have been the only ones that were grieved we don't know what it was about we don't want the argument But evidently there was some kind of disagreement between these two ladies here there is some kind of problem going on and Paul is admonishing them hey be of the same mind don't allow a schism here in the family of God in the church and so he's admonishing them and uh, it doesn't matter what the issue was uh, if it was like most churches, it was something that didn't matter anyway. Most problems in churches are over things that don't really matter. 2,000 years later as we read them now. okay? The Spirit of God is also grieved. They wouldn't have been the only ones. When an upset spirit prevails in the body of Christ, the Spirit of God is grieved. Ephesians chapter 4, if you want to turn there, just a couple of pages back, if you turn to your left. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 the Bible says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Just be kind. I mean, you learned this in kindergarten. Be nice. You know what Jesus did? I love how... Uh, it was, no, it was Peter. Peter, when he was preaching in Acts he summed up the whole ministry of Jesus. Remember what he said? He went about doing good. He was kind. He was a kind person. He was nice. Jesus was a nice guy. That's essentially what he's saying there. Now, of course, a lot more goes into that. But imagine if God's people were just nice, just nice, kind to one another. And the opposite, the reverse, the malice and all those things, that's what grieves the Spirit of God, anger, clamor, evil speaking. So often when there's a disagreement, we're quick to react in anger. And we flare up. We get defensive. Uh, Proverbs 26:21, As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. You know what coals are to coals? They flare up. They burn more. You know what you uh, put when you put wood to a fire? Guess what happens to the fire? It gets bigger. <laughs> it's got something more to burn now. So a contentious man. One that kindles strife, one that gets angry, one that's frustrated, one that constantly adds, you know, there's, there's a, a, one person put it, everybody, everybody in the church walks around with a bucket. Everybody. You didn't even know it, but you carry it, walk around a bucket. You're carrying a bucket. In that bucket, you have one of two things. You either have water or you have gas. And when there's a fire, you're either going to be one of two types of people, to throw water on the fire or to throw gas on the fire. This is a guy that throws gas on the fire. The one that kindleth strife. Now, anger is just one letter short of danger. And when you enter anger, you're in the danger zone. James asks and answers the questions in, in verse uh, 1 of chapter 4 of James. From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? He said what many other places in Scripture says, at the heart of the problem is a problem with the heart. That's the problem, really. We have the wars and fightings and fussings and, and the contentions among believers. They come because of, they come from in here. They come from the warring in our own members. I think it's interesting here. This is a whole nother message, but, but uh, I'll just mention it. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? You know what? Have you ever heard the phrase hurt people? Hurt people. And that's exactly what that's saying. So here's somebody that's warring and fighting with other people. And the reason they're fighting with other people is because they have a war going on in themselves. Isn't this war, this fighting among you is coming from a battle within you. I've always tried, and this is a good thing for us to remember as a church. And I've always tried to remember as a pastor too, when somebody is ugly and somebody is nasty and there's somebody is uh, always trying to raise conflict, I I try to step back a little bit and just remember, there's something broken in that person. There's something going on in them. There's a heartache. There's a hurt. There's a pain inside. Oh, they don't want to look within. When you have a contentious person, it's all everybody else's problem, but the truth of the matter is that that fighting among you comes from fighting within you. It's something we need to remember. The problem is not without. It's almost always within. The more you grow up, the less you blow up. Okay, So, Here we see a contentious person. And uh, vengeance sometimes can seem sweet, but there will still be a bitterness in your heart. We can justify our feelings of anger. We can think we have a right to vent, and that person deserves what they get, but we're manifesting a spirit that is not of God when we are upset, when we are nasty to each other. James chapter 3, verse 14, But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. I had to stop there too when I read that. Isn't it amazing some people do that? The bitter envying and strife. Don't be proud of it. You ever met somebody who's proud of their fighting ways? I don't get mad, I get even. Don't glory in it, okay? Uh, And lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly and sensual and devilish. From where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Isn't that the truth? Whenever there's envying, and we've unfortunately had seasons of that here, as we probably will again, unfortunately, because you know, if, all of, if, if, if we had no people here, we just had these chairs, we'd all get along. Okay? If it was just me, we'd all get along. But since there's people, and since I'm a person, we're not always going to get along in every area, so there'll be this again. But we know that, we understand when there's strife in a church or a family, then there's confusion, and then there's evil work. That's where anger and bitterness comes from. and That's why we're to be aware of an upset spirit. You shouldn't have that. Anger is devastating to unity. Anger is devastating to unity. Speak when you're angry and you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. <laughs> Don't speak when you're angry. Have you ever heard... This is painful. Have you ever heard yourself when you're angry? you ever been recorded when you're angry? Um, One time, I was an assistant pastor at that time, and uh, I called my pastor, and he did not answer the phone. I just had to tell him something, and so I quickly told him on the voice message, and while I was talking to him, I noticed a couple of my kids doing something that they were not supposed to do, And it set me off because I had told them like a dozen times not to. They were ruining something or breaking something. I don't remember what it was all about now. But I lit into them after I got off this call and uh, really let them have it. And and then I looked down and realized I hadn't hung up the phone. And so my pastor got that message. And uh, I had to come to him kind of humbly and a little bit sheepishly and apologize to him and tell him I made it right with my kids too. And... And uh, it, I didn't want to listen to it, and I didn't listen to it. But uh, have you ever heard yourself in your anger? Um, I had a couple not long ago. Not that I want this at all, ever. But they were having World War III, and I was trying to counsel them through some. But they would record each other and send me the recordings. And uh, uh, it's not a pleasant thing to hear yourself when you're angry. You aren't the person when you're angry that you are here on Sunday morning when you're greeting people and saying hi, how you doing, brother? And carrying the Bible because we get where again anger is just a shy of danger just one letter shy anger brings us into the danger zone and so we need to be very careful don't let anger linger in your soul life is too short let's not let anger linger Um, good question for you to for, for you to ask yourself even right now are you angry with anybody right now every moment that you're angry is a moment of joy lost So, all right, that's only two. We got three to go. So, well, I guess we'll hit the next ones. Not next week, because I'll be on vacation at camp. Enjoying the time, amen? And uh, you pray for us, though. Um, I'll be, uh, I get to preach twice this year, so I'm excited about that. And then we had a pastor's fellowship on uh, Monday, and one of the pastors, he is from Millbank. And so he heard I was up there in Aberdeen area. So on Thursday night, i